Are we gonna are we gonna intro? Who's introing? Hey everybody, welcome to the Ones Ready Podcast. We're gonna talk about all things aspect war today. Uh, you know, we've been looking at, you know, things that the questions that are coming across our desk. Do we have a desk, like a an official desk where questions come across, I'm assuming, like the old school newsrooms. Anyway. Uh, and and we figured we'd hop on here and uh, answer some of those questions, talk about aspect war and, and why it's better than uh some of your other uh soft components. Is is better the right word, Aaron, or just different? It is better. We're better. We're stronger than you. We're better. I'm not just like the rest of you. I'm stronger. I'm smarter. I'm better. I am better. Yeah. And you know what's funny is the second that you said that, you know, we have a desk that it comes across, my this is why we're friends, is my mind immediately went to Exactly. We want to talk about, you know, why aspect war. We've done an episode on it before, and we were talking about it just before we hit record, as we always do here. And we want to talk about why Aztec War. But what we're going to do is we're going to compare it to the other services. Now, yes, we're joking when we say that we're better and smarter than everybody. That's obviously not our personal feelings on it. But you're here for a reason. You think that Aztec War is the best for you. And I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree that the Air Force is the best deal out there. If you go to look at Nico Ortiz's video from you know just recently, he was hype on AFSPEC War. We finally put out some good commercials. So from, from the ground up, those commercials and his uh, reaction video, he nailed that. I was, I was actually laughing as I was watching that. I was like, you know what? Nick Ortiz, shout out. So good job. Good job to him. Good job. Good job. Yeah. He, Thinking he of Hancock. Hancock. <laughs> he, he does not need that's, that's a my validation at all or know who I am. But we'll, we'll <laughs> kind of start off, you know, in general, you know, and Peaches, we'll start with you. Why Aspect War? When you were a 17-year-old man growing up on the mean streets and you had the world in front of you, something drew you to Aspect War. So why did you start your journey out? I, well, I wanted to do something difficult. I, I wanted to do something kind of cool guy. So I was drawn into the adrenaline junkie kind of thing because I wanted to ride motor. I enjoyed riding motorcycles. I, I wanted to skydive. I hadn't skydived at the time. Um, you know, I wanted to scuba dive. I wanted to just shoot guns, do do cool stuff and just get that that adrenaline going. So that's what I was all about. So the some of the other services they have that obviously. Um, but when I came in, you had to wait. You couldn't just you couldn't go in immediately as a seal. You couldn't go in immediately as a green beret or even a ranger. So you had to put time in to the army, navy, and stuff like that as a as a a regular, if you will, just, you know, a, a normal job, mechanic, cook, whatever it is, and then transfer over. The old the normies? Air- is that what you just call them normies? <laughs> what was it? What is that? Nonners? I think we're nonners, aren't we? Well, so yeah. So now we're, we're mixing streams, right? So yeah, the, yeah, the ex- okay. Never cross the, the streams. We're never cross the streams. The accepted term for regular people, and this is an academy term, is a NARP, a non-athletic regular person. <laughs> so if, if you're a NARP, that means you just have like a regular job. You don't do anything tough. A noner. Okay. Uh, this is the dumbest term too. I've always resisted this term. A noner is an Air Force term for an- anybody that isn't a flyer or integral to a mission set. Some maintainer at one point called somebody a noner in my presence, and I just laughed. Like I'm, I'm like, what does that even mean? But it's typically referred to as like logistics personnel, like your A1, A2, A46, like people that don't actually support the actual flying mission, which I've always laughed at. Um, for a number of different reasons. I won't piss my rescue brothers off by saying what I'm really thinking, but that's what a noner is. Trent, why aspect war for you? Oh, well, I mean, I was, I was sitting here, and if you're watching the YouTube, I'm, I smile a lot 
And one of the reasons I, I kind of laugh to myself when, when Jared's telling his story is we couldn't be more opposite. I don't know how we're on the same podcast together. <laughs> Jared's like, I had like a mission. I wanted to do these things. And I'm like, I just kind of fell into this, you know, like I, I ended up in the Air Force and in, in weather. Um, I bypassed all the difficult things and they were like, do you want to jump out of planes instead of sitting behind a desk and doing weather stuff? And I was like, yeah. Um, but the, the Air Force got me uh, as opposed to the other services because of the, you know, the higher standards. Um, you know, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. So they're like ASVAB standards are higher, all these other things. And, you know, the quality of living is, is a little bit higher. So that's what got me in the door. I didn't have any aspirations to like rescue people or, or drop bombs on, you know, on target or, or go to dive school or free fall or anything like that when I first joined. Unlike Aaron, who, who wanted to rescue people and be Captain America and all that other stuff. That's also untrue. I've told this story 900 times across different platforms, but I, I mean, I was looking at all, you know, all the other services and that's kind of where I want to, I want to make this like a thread for, for this entire thing is, you know, why not the other services? So we're going to ask why Aftac war, but also, you know, why not the other services? I had no idea. I just really wanted to serve. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Thank goodness the Marines were out to lunch and like literally, and then the army guy just completely blew me off. That's weird. The army guy was like, yeah, you, you probably won't be able to make Ranger or special forces. So, you know, we can just like, you know, PJs, you were saying, they're like, yeah, you know, we can get you into a different job. And then when you're ready to go to SFAS, like you could probably go assess, like maybe we'd be able to get you a Ranger contract. But even in, you know, those days, this is September of 2001. Even in those days, the guy was just like, I don't know, man, it's, it's pretty that's tough. A, that's so. a ballsy move. Cause like I get using that tactic. Mm -hmm. If, somebody's been stringing along, you know, they're, they keep saying they're going to do it and they, and they never commit or, or, you know, they're, they're just not improving their PT scores or whatever it is, but to just on the first look and go, nah, man, probably won't, probably won't make it. It's like, well, maybe you, you, you get a nibble first and get them right. kind of hooked and then right. say that, um, to really kind of drive it home. Not, not right off the bat. Oh, well, I mean, it's, I'm it's not a recruiter though. Well, it's probably because he looked at me and knew right away that the army didn't want this POS. It was funny because I took my ASVAB with him and I, I got high on the ASVAB, like not, not super, it, it wasn't like over a 95, but I want to say like my composite score is like a 90 or a 91 or something. And immediately the guy's tune changed. Um, but I had just taken, like I took the ASVAB with him either that day or the next day, like the next day we went to the testing center and I took the ASVAB like the day after he was like, well, let's see what you score on the ASVAB and we'll kind of go from there. And then when I had scored a 91, I'd already talked to the Air Force recruiter. I, I no kidding, left the Army office after making the appointment for the ASVAB, went to the Air Force recruiter, started talking to him. He was going to get me set up for an ASVAB. I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm taking it with the Army. And then I'll be back afterwards. And that's exactly what I did. That Army recruiter, uh, pretty good one. I was like, hey, thanks for that ASVAB. And he was like, bro, you can do whatever you want. You want to be an Intel guy? You want to you know, go do this or that? Or you, you want to... you know." go to aviation i was like oh yeah i'm just gonna go talk to the air force so tight, but, <laughs> got him got to him. be fair you, you could have been like a cw4 right now i'd be i would be more than that uh, my brother danny <laughs> has been in i think i mean he cross-trained in aviation way faster you know way way after i did i think i got into the air force four years, five years before my brother Danny got in and he's a four now. So I could probably be that, that lightsaber type of dude, the unicorn walking around, which would be great. Yeah. Except you'd have a lot um, more wrinkles and you'd be more angry if you're a whole lot. Yeah. 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 Drinking well, gasoline, big mustache. Looking like, like that, it. Yeah. 
Yeah, to me, that's one of the, the positives of the Army, right, uh, is, is the, the Warrant Officer program that, that we don't have in the Air Force. So, like, there is, there is that. And, and the Marines have warrants, too, I believe. They, they do. Yeah, they do. So, but, as we are going through here, so as we're going through and we're starting our, you know, individual pipeline journeys, there were some immediate things that I noticed about, you know, Aztec War. You know, back in the day, it was, we were going to NDOC, and it was, you know, the three or four career fields, you know, that existed at the time. but. You know, as we were going through there, there was always an undercurrent of humanization, I think, is the right word to do it. You know, I have friends in the, in the Army and in the Marines, and our service definitely gets after it and definitely breaks you down and then builds you back up through basic training, through in-dock, through your pipeline. But there was always that next level of maturity, which I always resonated with in the Air Force, to where you could have an instructor yell at you, scream at you, and berate you all day, and then it 1600 when you're ready to go home you could pull you aside and go hey are you okay how's everything going at home are things actually okay with you right now and there was always that delineation that i always liked and it was one of the reasons why you know i tried you know air force special operations but not only tried but failed and came back because it was one of those things where it was that professionalism it was that humanization it was that willingness to put rank aside, to put the job aside and actually engage with you as a human being. Now, I'm not saying there aren't great leaders in the Army, the Navy, the Marines that do these things. But I'm saying as a culture, I saw that more in the Air Force than I did outside of it. And I get the jokes about how the Air Force is is great because it's almost like the military. That's a classic Air Force joke. Um, so I get how some of this could be there. Uh, but when we're talking about AFSEC war and we're talking about the special operations community, I've always seen that through my career is that Air Force guys are a little bit more willing to just be like, OK, hey, the military is the military. We have a job to do. And, you know, you and I need to have a good personal relationship. So let's focus on that and then build from there. Do you guys have that same feeling or am I stupid like normal? Well, I, I don't have anything to bounce it off of, really. Like, this is all I know. So I think you as, as a cross trainee definitely probably have a different perspective and probably have more of appreciation for it since I don't know any better other than the fact that I'm, you know, where I am now, but then everybody uses call signs. So it's right. still a more relaxed environment and it's still, you know, people, you know, if, if we're at the wing commander or the warfare center or something like that, you know, we're front or we're out and about, then it's, you know, rank and, and whoever, whatever the name is. But if not, if it's just us within the weapon school or it's us flying or whatever it is, then it's, it's call sign. So it's probably more aligned to what you're talking about versus maybe the rest of the air force. But that's all I have to go off of. Well, in any community, right. That's smaller. Like like certain flying communities in our community, right? Like the when you're an instructor, the odds of of those students being your teammates in the future are are pretty high, you know. Um, and, and also, I th I think we do value individuality above the other services. Like we, when you first join, you know, when you're at SWIC and ANS, like we're gonna tear all that away from you, and you're just gonna be a number, and we're gonna you know expect you to perform because we gotta get to the the core of you first before we start building back to to who you are as an individual. Um, but like we deploy as individuals all the time. We do all these things as individuals. And so I think that is um, that is valued. Uh, what you bring to the table as a, as a person versus like just being a cog on a team. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's not like the ODAs don't like value people individually ish, I guess. But like, you know, like it, it's just different for us. And so like I, I, th I think as, a, as an instructor or as a culture, you know, like 
who you are as a person, um, the, the, the amount of the career field space that you take up as a, as a single person is much greater. And, and so it matters more. So, you know, we're not trying to out there just create teams to do things that other people have done. Like we're always trying to push the envelope and see how much we can squeeze out of every individual to, to push, you know, the, the capability forward. Cause we're never stuck on, you know, just one thing. No, definitely not. I, and I think one of the other things that falls along with what you kind of recognize immediately is, and, and you don't necessarily notice it during the pipeline. And I know we're kind of focused on the pipeline, but, um, you know, we're, we're chameleons, you know, because, because we have spent so much time in that, um, enabler kind of role, getting, getting tasked out to, to other units and other entities that we have to not take on that identity, but we have to be able to fit in and mesh with them on a, on a personal and a professional level. And that ability, one, it doesn't trans even, even with PJ, CST, SR, tag P's that are out there now, some of them aren't the best with it. We, we have all, and some of us are probably in that boat as well. You know, somebody's like, Oh dude. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had a CCT one time. Um, Oh man, he was really, really short, kind of an asshole though, or, you know, and everybody's got one or a couple, right. That they just didn't quite fit in. They, they're good at their job. They're good dudes or whatever, but they just didn't quite mesh with the team. Um, and every single one of these teams has a different culture and it's different and you've got to be able to go in and all right, let me, let me feel out this culture and let me gain credibility because right now you're starting at zero. Every single time, even if you're, you know, got, got 10 deployments and everybody on that team has, has operated with a PJ, SR, CCT, Tag P or whatever. And, but you're still starting from zero because you're a new dude. That's me. Peach, do you feel like we put responsibility on the younger cats in aspect war earlier than the other services do? Yeah, I know. I know we do just in the way that rank. I mean, we, we send you know, E3s, E4s, mainly E4s. Um, E3s kind of towards the, the beginning of GWAT, but um, we totally see send E4s out there uh, to go attach with folks. And the ODAs, you know, it's it's famous. It's a E7 at seven years. Uh, for a senior airman, you're you're kind of at four-ish years, mm-hmm. really. Um, so there's there is a rank deficit, but there's a, a massive responsibility on on that e4 e5 versus it's not to say that the oda or whatever doesn't have the massive responsibility because they do but for there is a rank deficit for sure well as an enabler you kind of exist outside of that oda or or seal teams chain of command right like you show up as a a jtac or the whether the recce guy or the medic or whatever like you're different so like if if i'm a, a a charlie on the team and i have an idea or something's my responsibility that that idea that like responsibility floats up through the team sergeant through the team leader for them to like work with it and see if that's a good idea whereas if you're an air force enabler on a team when they come to you they're like hey what is the solution to problem x like can you give them the solution like and it goes like past the team leader or whatever like that that's it you're the only guy like nobody else has that same expertise on that team at least not to the level that you have it and so you are kind of like your own little individual team on there and so as an individual you have to have that confidence to make those calls with that rank deficit, with that experience deficit, sometimes, um, you know, with that, you know, personality deficit with the team, like you don't know them, 
and, and, and have that confidence to make those calls when, when necessary to, to get the mission accomplished. And the proof is in the performance. Yeah, I distinctly remember at the Kirtland Schoolhouse right now, there's an entire hallway. There's a hallway that goes all the way the length of the building, uh, nearly the length of the building, and then actually goes, it, it veers off to the back of the building. And that hall is lined with every single decoration that a pararescuement has earned in, uh, in combat since, you know, 1966, when we were our own career field. And the amount of decoration that starts off with airman first class, airman second mm-hmm. class, sergeant, you know, E5, staff sergeant, back when they, you know, it was just sergeant, buck sergeant, and all that other stuff. The amount of folk, combat controllers that are staff sergeants that are, you know, Air Force Cross or Silver Star recipients, those things, that is not uncommon. And that shows throughout our entire culture is that we will put you in AFSTEC war, you know, th- when you get on a team, yeah, we joke about you're the medic and you're going to take the trash out and you're going to be the young guy, but you're the young guy for six months. And then you're this, then you are the medic. This isn't like an ODA where you show up and you're the junior for three years until you're the senior 18 yeah. Delta. And you have somebody there with you all the time on a 12 man team. It might be, Hey, you're part of the recce team or you're part of the global access team. And you're the only PJ. If something happens, you are the guy. You have to fix this. And then when we look at those direct support or those enabler type roles for combat controllers, for pararescuemen, for special reconnaissance, for TACP, for an entire, you know, imagine being, you know, a brand new JTAC qualified 21 year old TACP airman with an infantry battalion in Afghanistan in 2013. Because that happened all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And when the shit hit the fan, and the music stopped, somebody needed to fix that. And they looked to an Air Force airman. And this is obviously an Air Force-centric podcast. And we're obviously, you know, talking about why AFSTEC war. But that's why. You're going to be given more responsibility, more chances to excel at a much lower level in rank. So I know it sucks that we have a two-year pipeline. You know, all of us, we always say 18 to 24 months. Yeah, got it. It sucks. You're going to be evaluated every day. But as a reward, you're going to go to sniper schools in E5. You're going to yeah. go, you're already going to have dive. You're already going to have free fall. You're already going to have all of these, you know, other things. And I know that the landscape changes as to how we do these things, but aspect war, like no one else will put you in those positions to excel. And it's across the board. You, you frequently go to advanced schools where everybody is mad at you. This is a thing that's ingrained in yeah. our culture. It's why we had to have our own dive school is because we would go to the army dive school And these crusty E6s, E7s that had been on teams and had multiple deployments were sick of these 17, sometimes 18-year-old, 19-year-old airmen smoking them and getting dive school right away as part of their pipeline. And being so arrogant. So arrogant. Can't smoke me, Sarge. You know, it, you know what? It ain't tricking if you got it. Little yeah. Wayne said that. And if you're <laughs> if you're down there and you're literally telling the instructors can't smoke me and you're running circles around them, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Maybe suck less. Maybe be better. Maybe go be mad somewhere else. But, <laughs> the, you know, we to, that that is part of our culture. I mean, just to, to prove your point, I, I'm thinking of two J's right now that were senior. Men. Jason Cunningham, Jason Plight. Yep. Like de- decorated, you know, um, and just. I'm sure that there's. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I'm sure if I did a quick Google search, I could find some some others. But that's just the reality of it. Is we and it does take longer for us to make rank and all that kind of good stuff. But it's which you know, there's pros and cons to that, I guess. But maybe maybe it would be kind of cool to have a E7 at seven within Aspect War. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it. 
but yeah. but the Air Force would also have to change the way it structures or at least views aspect war in the way that for promotions and all that kind of stuff because the Air Force promotes us, not right, not aspect war. Um, so yeah, well, but that's a good segue, a good segmiller way, if you mm. will. Mm-hmm. Trent, we mm-hmm. know that there are differences between the general services, right? And you're not paid by the United States Combat Control Association. You're paid by the United States Air Force, teaches. I'm paid by the United States Air Force, not the U.S. PJ uh, <laughs> Association or whatever. It'd be cool. But what, it would be pretty cool. Uh, it'd be a lot cooler if we were. Um, there, are, there are bad things. Like the Air Force does promote much more slowly than sister services, much more slowly um, across the board. And those promotion rates are getting even harder just because of the way that we, we run our promotions, which is a little bit different than the sister services. But Trent, when you're talking about trying to make a decision between Aztec war or Naval Special Warfare or Army Special Forces or Marine Special Operations Command, you have to go back to the actual service component and you have to have a, a comparison, right? So the Air Force as a whole compared to let's start with the army what do you think the advantage of our of just being in the air force and then we'll, you know obviously we'll drill down into aspect war but air force versus army what do you think the the benefits are there well the, the, the air force values technical expertise over numbers right and, and the air force is a, a technical force and it's smaller and so you 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 get advantages out of that right your your living conditions are going to be better the air force as a whole compared to the army is a lot more individual based um and uh, like I, I've told this story before, but I remember being in tech school and my buddy's dad flew in and he wasn't army. He was Marine, but he was like a 06 flew in on his, his Cobra in his Cobra helicopter to take my buddy and I out to lunch when we were in tech school and all him and his co-pilot talked about at dinner. I'm sorry. Yeah, we went to dinner um, was how awesome the Air Force Base was, you know, and we're on Keesler Air Force Base being like, this is miserable and we hate it here and blah, blah, blah. Keesler and this sucks. Marine 06 flies in and all they talk about is how nice the gym is, how nice the facilities are. They can't believe that this is how we're living and all these other things. It's like, oh, like this is pretty good, I guess, compared to what it could be. And so like, so we, we ask our folks to do all these difficult things, just like the army does, you know, uh, at, at the lower levels. But at the end of the day, you might be getting, uh, you know, paid less because of your rank, but you're going to go on a lot of TDYs. You're going to, you know, you're going to stay in nicer places. You're going to be around uh, a more individualistic people and have a, a a bigger impact on your community. So to me, like that's that's always what it comes down to is, you know, there's the money and all those other things and the better gear and, you know, we're better looking. But then to have that outsized impact on your community, the opportunity to have that kind of impact on your community is, is huge. Like we all we, we do it all the time. Like, hey, do you know this guy? Like there's almost nobody in the, the greater STGA community that is more than one person removed from my group of people that I know. Uh, and, and so like you, your reputation, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Your reputation is, you know, larger than it is in those other communities. Like if you're a green Beret and you're a POS and you know, you have a few opportunities to fix yourself throughout your career because like not everybody knows who you are. But for us, like there's an opportunity to have an outsized impact, but also, you know, if you make a mistake, everybody's going to know about it. Yeah. And again, no, no shots or no spears are being thrown. We're trying to do the most objective and we're joking, but the most objective comparison, you know, I have a, a pretty good friend that works up here at first group, you know, which is, you know, the, I've got first group and I got second bat right out the door. Pretty good friend that works at first group. And I was no kidding talking to him just in passing about this last week. And I just mentioned, I was like, oh, I, I actually deployed with one of these guys from third group. He's like, oh, third group, bro. I don't know anybody at third group. 
that's thousands of dudes. Imagine saying that you don't know anybody at the 2.6 SDS. I mean, like, we just do not say that. And a lot of these things, you know, Trent, as he was joking about, you know, better hair and better facilities and, you know, what the, uh, let's see, the, the people are generally better looking, you know, like there, there's the old joke about going to the med. I've had army friends of mine that were like, bro, I went to your med group to go get something like looked at. There were more attractive females in that area <laughs> than there were in the entire army. Like these things are all jokes and it's fun, like inner service stuff, but there's truth to every joke. When you hear it over and over and over again, boy, your chow halls are nicer. Your gyms are nicer. The people are generally better taken care of. Your housing is better. Locations. There, locations are better. There is, there is truth inside of those jokes and inside of that sister service ribbing. And you see it all the time when you work with these other services. Uh, I distinctly remember I was at uh, Hunter Army Airfield. We were working this big uh, um, combined event with the 160th down at Hunter. We were getting some jumps in. We were doing you know, water ops. It was great. We were working with 47s and 60s, doing a whole bunch of, you know, insert exfil stuff. And it was great. It was, it was a good time. There were Marines working down there too. And it was right when the Marines special operations stood up. So we were working with one of the, you know, some of the first, you know, MSOPs that were out there, those Marines special operations teams. And we were doing repels from a helicopter and their team leader came over and pulled us aside. Uh, and, and just basically said to the, to the mid group, it was a bunch of E5s and, and I think an E6, I think J Mac was there. So I think that was the team sergeant running this operation back in the day, but they, the Marines came over and they were talking about doing repels from the helicopter the next day, which was part of the progression. And he was talking about how we're going to repel. And we said at the time we're, we're using ATCs. So we have an ATC and a hands-free backup and that's how you repel out of the thing. And he goes, well, we're just going to repel off of a munter and a carabiner, whatever. We're like, well, I mean, if you guys want to use our ATCs, you can. And they're like, no, we didn't sign any out and we don't really have any. And they just kind of gave us two carabiners. We're like, no, we, we have like 10 extra. We get like three of these when we sign into the unit. The guy was dumbfounded. They had to turn their carabiners back in when they got yeah. home. Like they had signed out a hand receipt for carabiners to the point where we just gave them like four yeah. ATCs. Like some of the guys were like, bro, this is like my, my third one. I, this isn't even my good one. I'll just give this to you. And is that cool? But that's, that is not uncommon. Can I, how terrifying would it be to be issued a used carabiner? Like you don't. <laughs> that's, that's what we all said. Like uh, two of the new guys didn't even have their own personal issue harness. They, they had no kidding harnesses that they had to get back. And I was like, you don't know that that thing is, has it been shock loaded? You don't know if somebody took it in oh salt water God. and then just cleaned it off and gave it back. Like you don't know any of these things. And, you know, granted they were younger at the time, but I've seen that play out to certain degrees over and over and over again, where somebody's like, Oh my God, that's a really nice jacket. You know, how is, how's you guys' CID when you turn that back in? And I'm like, I don't turn it back in. Touch my Bro, skin. This touch my skin. This is mine. And they were like, that's not a thing. And I'll, I'm like, oh, yeah. really? Dude, they were like, the yeah, memes those... on Instagram about that all the time. And I'm just like, I don't, I can't even engage with that. I don't know what that is. Right. Like, I don't know what SIF is. I don't know. Like our, our logistics folks are like, okay, cool. Yeah. Just go into the system and get what you need. Bring back what it is that's broken and we'll just give you a new one. And then you can go on with life. And if it touches your skin, it's yours. And then that does not happen in the regular services. Um, mm -hmm. it, it is a perk that, again, no shot at the, our, you know, sister service folks, but that doesn't happen anywhere else. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing. I remember hearing about that and, and, and something like that actually happened to me when I was out processing McDill uh, at SOCOM. 
they wanted me to, uh, for, for whatever reason, since I had gotten transferred in from, from AFSOC into SOCOM, all my cry body armor and everything like that, they were like, Hey, you need to turn this in. I'm like, mm, no, no, I'm not. They're like, okay, well you turn it in or you pay the whatever, $15,000 or something like that. It was something crazy. I'm like, well, I'm not doing that <laughs> and I'm not going to turn it in because so we- I'm going to an operational unit. So I'm just going to walk on out of here. Uh, I love how you yeah, big bye. Them. You were like, here's two things that's not going to happen. Number one, you're not getting I'm it not, back. Number two, I'm not paying you for yeah, it. So I'm definitely not paying you 15 grand away. It was something insane. Um, but so, yeah, well, that's what you do. You go, okay, so you guys would have never known if I never came in here. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, you will not believe how many times that happened at a um, re-enlisting. I fell through the cracks with like a re-enlistment and they were like, dude, you should have, you, you need to retain ability. I'm like, well, let's just pretend that I never came in here because right. they want, they were like, you need to realist today. We can't let you leave. I'm right. like, well, I got a bone. I've got a tax-free bonus that I'm, you know, deploying here in a couple months. Uh-huh. They're like, no, 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 you're not leaving. I'm like, you would have never known if I didn't stop in here. So let's go ahead and pretend. And I'm walking out of here. And unless you're going to stop me, I'm leaving. Bro, I came back from a deployment once. And I won't say where, because I don't know if it'll get anybody in trouble. I think the statute <laughs> of limitations for punishment on this one's probably <laughs> over. So I walk in to this specific med clinic and I hit the E5 at the desk and I was like, Hey, what's up? Just got back from this rotation. Here's my folder. You know, they gave me this folder before I left. Um, here, here's my folder. And the person was dumbfounded. It took them like 10 minutes. They're like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be back. So this master sergeant comes to the desk and they're like, Hey, did you out process with us? And I was like, no, nah. no, nah, they just gave me this folder. My <laughs> a one gave me a folder. And then I got, they, he was like, how did you get there? I was like, we had dedicated air. He's like, who'd you go with? And I, at the time, it was. Ta- I was like, with. He was like, yeah, but where did you, where did you leave from? And I was like, America. And he was like, all right, I'm gonna level right, with smart you. Smart ass. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, because he he was just. We talked for like five minutes, and it was a bunch. Of, it was it was these questions like over and over again. And he was finally he looked he looked at me. He goes, listen, I'm gonna level with you. I'm gonna sign this sheet off. We didn't know you were deployed. We had no clue. <laughs> All of these things. And I had injuries on that deployment. Like I came back, I was like, I need to put these things into my medical record. Here's, you know, here's the things that I was exposed to. He was like, I'm going to sign this off for you, but you, you got to do me a bro to bro. And you can't talk about this event. And I was like, fine. I was like, the only thing my A1 needs is for you to sign off on this sheet and they're going to take care of it. And he was just like, ST guys. And then just signed the sheet and gave it back to Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. The thing but, is, is we we don't yeah. always mean to be cowboys, you know. But like, you just run into those situations, and it happens to I think everybody. Where it's like you come back, and they're like, "There's a lot of questions about how you left, how long you were gone from the base, what where happened? did you actually go, what did yeah. you actually do?" But that's <clears throat> again, would that ever happen in the army? No, no, because seven hours before your movement, you oh would show God. up and you would lay all your gear out on a tarp and you would have somebody walk around and tell you, you can't take this. You can't take this for us. We put our gear on a pallet and have our own C-17 and fly over and sleep in a hammock on the way. Yeah. And we have a stop in Germany, which is usually pretty nice or in Rota, <laughs> Spain. I broke in Rota, Spain for like four days on the way to a deployment worst possible scenario by the way you want to you want to break on the way home not on the way there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> breaking on the way there is dangerous for a number of different reasons yeah, i do want to hit though we, we were talking about gear 
You know where you can get gear that nobody's ever going to take away from you? You can use it for your entire lifetime because it's really good, well-made gear, and it's actually going to prepare you for the pipeline? I'd be willing to bet it's called Eberly Stock. It is called Eberly Stock. Eberlystock.com. They're our friend. Use our code over at Eberlystock.com to get anything that you could use to go on your deployment. That 18 Delta friend of mine, that was a conversation that we had. He said, you know what? I've used it on my last two trips. It's an amazing bag. I was looking to get another one. I need that switchblade. For everything that I do, it worked perfect for me. I hit trend up. I was like, let's talk to our friends over at Everlystock.com. Let's make sure that he gets the bag that he needs to support stuff downrange. Everybody from long range rifle platforms, if you want to be a hunter, if you want to be a hunter of men, they've got you covered down. And if you want to protect yourself in today's weird times, they've got EDC packs for you. That that uh, Bando bag, got it in multiple different colors, wear it everywhere. And I hate seeing myself on the ads. Oh, Every it's, yeah. Time. So I enjoy seeing you guys on the ads. I hate it so bad. Since I missed that one. So well, I'll, I'll, I'll share those all day long. Yeah. Well, and, What's and the code you, over to Everly Stock? Is it OR10 now? Yep. OR10. Yeah. OR10. If you check out Hat Creek uh, training, they just had the nasty. And you'll see all the all the folks that are the best at what they do running Everly Stock gear. Uh, so there it is. There's the proof. And also, those guys were in pretty good shape running up and down those mountains out there in uh, Idaho doing everything that they're doing. How, how would I get in shape if I don't know where to start there, Aaron? Oh, man, I don't know. I'd probably start with 18 Alpha Fitness. Coach Edgerton, he'll get you there. Kev, he's got personalized programs for everything that you want to do. You want to be the best uh, the best guy at jiu-jitsu? You want to be the strongest guy in the jiu-jitsu gym? He's got you. You're a little bit older. Do you need to re-baseline yourself because you've taken a little bit too much time off? He's got the old guy program for you. He's got pre-selection programs literally for everything. We're talking about everything in comparison, right? From Air Force to Army to Marines to Navy to rescue swimmer to first responder. We think Air Force is the best, but Kev can get you ready for everything. He has personalized programs. I just had a friend of mine. He's an older guy. You know, he's 42, 43, older Marine guy named Jay. Jay was like, hey, I'm trying to get a little bit better at jujitsu, but I'm old and I don't want to have to go through these programs. I was like, listen, man, go to Edge, talk to him, tell him I sent you, use our code, which is the number one ready. You'll get a break on it, but Kev will personalize and talk to you. He's talked to Kevin like three times already and been like, hey, I need to tweak this. I don't have this equipment. Kev will do everything that you need, whether you want to get ready to be an, a Green Beret, you want to be an Air Force Combat Controller, if you want to be a uh, you know, Navy rescue swimmer, a fire paramedic in your local hometown, Kev's got you covered. So go over to 18alphafitness.com, check them out, use code 1READY at checkout, download the app, and then make your way into one of these career fields today. You yeah. know what's funny? I was hmm. s- totally setting up a read for Attack Elite, but we, we started talking about Everly Stock, so I want to put a plug out there for Attack Elite, too. You can just go to onesready.com and find whatever gear yep. that you need to get ready for the pipeline through Attack Elite right on our website. You can order directly from there. No code necessary. Just go to onesready.com. Check out that stuff. I am about this close. I'm not a watch guy, but I, I, every time I open Attack Elite to go check out you know, what's it's new on the site... Dude, I see that watch and I'm like, man, it's not super big. It doesn't look super tactical. It's a clean interface. I'm about this close to going <laughs> and buying that watch on there. I usually just wear the whoop and call it good, but I, well, I Christmas think is I, I, coming. You know, it, I know. You never Christmas know. Up there. You never Christmas know. It is coming. You never know. Maybe I do need that watch out there. So <laughs> go to Attack Elite. Use the code ONES READY if you're on their site, but it's easier. Just go to onesready.com and check yeah. out our site. And then, you know, since we're doing that, it, 
We are going to have, by the time this launches, we will have additional stock out there on onesready.com in terms of we'll have two different types of hats. We got those PVC patches in now. Um, I know that there are some new hoodies that are being worked right now. So we've got our old uh, Sport Tech, uh, I think is the you name can't call of the old. You got to call them the OG, man. Okay, the OG Sport Tech was. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then we're we got some new ones that are coming that are going to be more vintage uh, looking. Actually, they're they're kind of an unusual kind of fabric, but it's uh, those will be up there by the time this launches, or at least they should be. Yeah, and then I'm going to call since, Jared vintage from now on. I'm going to call yeah the OG season. I'm going to call it distressed. It's a distressed <laughs> peaches. Um, so to get back into the the reason why we're here, you know why aspect war. This is something. Um, that I've always loved um, about Aztec War. And, and it's something that, again, it is in the culture and it's undeniable, but it's something that unless you actually explore what it means, you don't get why that is a benefit. And it's that people flock to us and not the other way around. So when people ask me, Aaron, why should I be a PJ? What I try to do is I say, okay, so you know that you know, the old colloquialism, right, of, oh, when the Rangers and the Seals need somebody, who do they call? You know, they call a PJ. You know, that's that's a joke, and it's it's cringy to actually say. You know, I would never say that to anybody in any real sense to be like, oh, whatever. You need me. I don't need you. However, in my career, not one time have I ever put in a single RFF for one Ranger for a mission to go. There's never been a time where I've looked at my officer and go, hey, you know what, sir? You know what we need for this mission? one pj you know how many you know how many ranger teams have done that you know how many seal teams at the highest level have done that you know Everyone how many times they've asked for specifically for a jtac specifically for attack p guy whether it's soft or conventional the new aspect war commercials great job on the tac p side but combat controllers and jtacs man and, and you know the tac p folks that's who the enemy fears most that's why we stopped wearing long antennas you know why? Because they know you're the JTAC. That's why there's. That's why there is a bounty. That's why our enemies put a bounty on rescue helicopters. You know why? Because we're that important to the joint force. Because if you can take away the ability to rescue, if you can take away specifically what Aspect War provides to the joint environment, that's a huge shot to morale. I don't know if you can say that with anybody else in such a precise term and bring up the things that I just brought up. Like the fact that people flock to us, the people that, you know, people, I don't know how many, you know, deployments I've been on where people kind of like adopt the PJ team. You're like, oh yeah, I was working with these really cool Rangers and we ended up being, you know, friends and stuff. Um, that doesn't often happen in the reverse. And again, it's not to say that we're the cool kids. It's just to say that that's part of our culture that's there. And it's a cool thing about Aztec War that's part joke, but also partly true. Well, that's that. Uh, again, it goes back to that being a chameleon as well is that we, I, I have noticed that people either really like us or they think we're complete assholes. One of the, <laughs> one of the two, right. Weird. there's not much of an in-between. Oh man. I, I know we're all laughing at the joke of like the people that really don't like us. There's always a, a trait uh, that those people have. And it usually has to do uh, with competition with members of the opposite sex and losing that competition. I, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, can we talk about tech piece for a little bit? It's it's weird when you we talk no. about uh, tech piece. 
They're not here <laughs> to be represented right now. I'm, I am the the TACP representative for all intents and purposes. Nice. Well, you, you were the, hey, I'll tell you what. I can't wait till those videos start dropping. You went to the TACP roundup. You were the man. Like You, you really are yeah, the you bridge are. to the TACP world. Dude, Tommy Case is a large human. I yeah, did not realize he, no, how he's tall huge. he was. Dude, I, I love yeah. getting that text. You're like, bro, Tommy Case is really tall. I'm like, yeah, he's a mountain of a man. He's yeah. a big yeah. dude. He like brings me should... for a hug, and I'm like at his mm-hmm. like nipple. Like, yeah, how do you think I feel? <laughs> right? <laughs> he puts his at his waistline. <laughs> He's just like, come here, buddy, and he always just buddy. like really hugs, and I've just got a like head uh-huh. in his chest, like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, okay. Feel so safe, <laughs> but I feel but it, safe. <laughs> but those guys, like the capability, if you're a JTAC, right, and uh, the controllers, it seemed like were a lot more uh, focused on the the other soft teams that we we put them out with. But those, these guys were running all over the country, like all these teams all over the place. If they need a JTAC, they just put in a request. And I don't know how many times, and I'm sure you guys have heard the same stories. There's like these TACPs out there in country, and they're like, hey, guys, to like their battalion or whoever they're with. They're like, I got to go for like two weeks. They're like, where are you going? They're like, well, this helicopter's landing right now, and they need me to go. Like, this, it's not a movie. Like, I'm leaving. I'll be back. So adios. And then they go off with a group of some dudes to a place to do some things, drop some bombs, vaporize some people, and they come back. Like it, it's it's that is not gonna happen if you're one of the other, you know, soft teams. No, and it happens all the time. Like we joke around I I've never been on a deployment where somebody hasn't come and asked me for somebody on my team to go support their operations yeah. for a oh, limited yeah. amount of time. It's happened every single time. Um and I again I've never I don't think I've ever been deployed and seen another team do that just farm out a dude or two here and by the way no formal agreement i in bagram 2000 winter of 2014 there was something called the aerial response force the arf so the larger army 82nd uh you know cab had a response force that was sort of like us right they had extrication tools and they could provide security and they had a limited amount of rescue knowledge and experience and we train with them all the time. We're like, hey, we're going to train with you guys because we have these skills and a rising tide raises all ships. If we're not there, you guys need to be able to hand your, handle your own problems. We got it. Well, it got to a point where we developed such a relationship that we had a bro deal where if they got a call, we had three guys that had their kit loaded out and they would just hop on, no kidding, a four-wheeler and tear ass down the flight line and go with them on their 47 to be the the subject matter experts and essentially run the crash site. That doesn't happen anywhere. I didn't have an 82nd airborne guy that I'm like, listen, if I need you, you got to be here in like five minutes and we, you're part of the QRF. You're coming with us. That's happened every single deployment I've ever been on. And I think it speaks to the value of what Aztec war is and what you're going to be able to do. And by the way, those, those guys were my junior E5s. Those, those, yeah. those guys that I had, I was, those were my junior staff sergeants. One guy was on his first deployment. One guy was on his second. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is how you get experience. You go attached to these teams. You're going to be on your own. I'm going to loose you to these dudes, and you're going to go help them fix their problems. Yep. Yeah. It, it's um, I, I'm doing some research here, but the so-called – the reason why I know these numbers right now, at least for, for the web school in terms of pilots, in terms of um, how much it costs, and I'm, I'm switching gears on us here real quick just because I'm in that research mode. I know, and, and Trent probably knows this from, there is a cost per operator out there. And I, I, I know, so 
Trent, get me to correct if you know the, the number off the top of your head, but for pilots, and this is a pretty um, one-to-one in terms of training because we utilize pilots, we utilize aircraft to get our training and all that kind of stuff. That's why it's kind of a one-to-one. But for a 10-year, 04, 0304, or for 10-year would be, you know, E5, E6, E7, uh, full-up operator, it is anywhere between $8 million and $11 million per person. That's yep. insane. We looked, we tried to do it just to make a PJ, right? Like, so we did at the schoolhouse, you know, somebody, somebody asked us, they were like, okay, how how much money is it to make a PJ? And we went through everything from, you know, recruitment. We had numbers for, you know, how long did you spend in development and then through the pipeline. And even that number after two years, you know, 18 to 24 months was like 1.5 million, Mm -hmm. 1.75 million or something, you know, and these numbers are fungible and it's, there's like wonky math involved when you start talking about whatever. But that's at the bare minimum, we are going to pour hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, before you even get out of the pipeline. Yep. When you're yeah, just yeah. running to chow in the morning and going to free fall school and going to dive school and getting, you know, every single thing under the sun, getting paid to go TDY, you're, you're getting paid to go to a different location, meet different people and get a new skill. And you're getting paid extra to do so. We are going to dump hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. Yeah. in your pipeline that doesn't re- happen anyway yeah and the reason why i bring that up is because the air force the amount that it invests in its personnel into at least in aspect war um but it's not just aspect war you're you're talking about pilots you're talking about other communities that are they get tons of money and it's that's not the name of the game in terms of oh well i've had x amount millions poured into me for, for my training but it's a it, it goes back to that mindset that at least in my mind of, okay, I have a conventional force that leaves the gate uh, with, you know, a 50 vehicle convoy, clean shaven, friggin' rolling out the door and they are getting messed up as soon as they leave the wire. I mean, just the entire way. And then I have a, a ODA or a SEAL team that has us attached and all that kind of stuff. With a four or five vehicle convoy, they leave the gate bearded up, looking like gypsies because all the shit hanging off of the the vehicles, um, and they don't get messed with as much, if at all, um, because of that mentality and that level of training and that expectation that if we mess with these dudes, everything, everything that they have and to include everything that's in the air will come to these guys and help them out. And it's a, it's a, a mentality thing completely. And, you know, the air force and, and, um, not swick, uh, uh, John F. Kennedy center, the, the, the special war. Yeah. John F. Kennedy. Yes, but, uh, sock. I'm sorry, man, yeah. that brain fart that like you NSW, they recognize that too. And they dump millions into their folks as well. So it's not just aspect war. Like we're, t- we're talking about the entire soft community. The return on investment is enormous for mm-hmm. just for the taxpayers out there since we are taxpayers as well. Some, something that really highlights this too, is like flip the other side of the coin. How many times have we talked about the future fight? What are the biggest, what are the biggest like fear points for people in the future fight? What aren't we going to have? They, they bring it up first all the time. Well, you're not going to have air and you're not going to have, you know, JTACs that are going to be able to call in bombs and you're not going to have personnel recovery because you're not going to have people that are going to be able to get in there. 
the fact that those are almost always, you know, if not the top two or three in the top five, for sure, those are two of the biggest problems ever. We provide that specifically to the joint force. That is a, that is a big deal. And again, we're highlighting that not to say that we're better, not to say that we're smarter, we're faster or stronger, but that's how important we are. And people mess that up all the time. When you're planning for a future fight and you're specifically calling out air force capabilities, like if we don't have a capability to land people on an airfield, if we don't have personnel recovery or precision strike, we are not going to be able to survive in a near peer thing. And then to a lesser extent, electromagnetic spectrum, stuff like GPS, stuff like recce, stuff that special reconnaissance provides specifically to the joint force. If those are your top five problems that no kidding, the entire military is planning on, on how to make sure that you can do, you want to be in those problem areas. You want to be the person, you want to be the PJ that's like, I can figure out how to get in that area. I just need this. I can figure out how to communicate with my friends. I just need this. Controllers like, I can figure out how to strike that. Special reconnaissance going, I can figure out how to strike that and nobody knows that we struck it. I can figure out how to provide some non-kinetic effects in order to get your teams in. Um, that's, that's where you want to be. And that's, that's where the value of AFSTEC war is, is we are those people that are at the forefront of fixing some of those problems. Well, like, in, in that space, we're not built to, to take ground and to hold ground, right? Like, we're not the infantry. There are, there are like inflection points. There are walls in, in every scenario as you go through time in, in like a, a wartime situation where there problems need to be solved. And those are the problems that we specifically focus on. And those, those big barriers to like the next phase of warfare. Like that's what aspect war gets after. So like we're, we're not the infantry that's going to go take over an entire city. You know, like I, I would never take away from like the, the guys that were in Fallujah and all that other stuff. We're not saying yeah. like, they're not valuable. It's just like a different thing. But like at those those inflection points where you go from one phase to another, where you make a big difference, where you can open up the airspace, where you can, you know, do these different things that's gonna make a huge difference. Like that's where we live. And that's like the the, the mentality that we bring to the fight is to to get after those hardest problem sets and, and to make things happen. Yeah, I can't I don't think I can say, even though it's been a little bit, I don't think I can don't. say the specifics. I'll try to talk around as much as I can. We were in a conversation on a deployment where a larger force, like no kidding, a larger infantry force was going, we were planning a large operation. And they said, man, if we could only get to X, we would be able to do this thing. And no kidding, my controller raised his hand. He's like, I can get you there. That's easy. We've already got all the, all the things that you need. I can tell you exactly how to get there. And that commander had no clue. He was like, no, how? And we're like, this is, this is part of our capability. We can get you to X to to do why and then that controller again ended up ended up getting assigned to go you know, accompany that team and actually help them do that and it was part of the larger mission success but you know that's the value that we bring is that you know just like trent you know just like you said but that is the value that we bring to this larger operation is that in all phases we are there that's why it's hard for us to communicate when people are like well what if something's not going on what if there's not a larger war bro we're in that phase. We work in that phase zero environment where we know nothing is going on right this second, but we're still doing things. And it's not just training. You're still doing a whole lot of things. And it's not just at the tier one units. It's at the two series units. It's at the larger enterprise. And if we're not, we're preparing to go do those things. Yep. I mean, and, and how about, you know, for, forget your political leaning or whatever, you know, um, after, 
things ended this lot, you know, two years ago or whatever, uh, the, the questions were, well, you know, will I ever see combat? Will I ever, will there be another conflict? And man, it didn't take very long, right? Like right, wrong or indifferent. I, yeah. you know, caveat emptor, a- be careful what you wish for young man. Yeah, <laughs> dude, <laughs> you don't, I don't think you want any part of what's going on right now, but well, again, there's two of us. Yeah, like the, like I'm yeah. trying to play. Uh, I got you. You know what I mean. I, I'm not wise I'm not, sage. Yeah. So anyway, there will always be something going on, and if there's not, it's not going to be too long until there is something going on, and mm-hmm. then you will be involved in. So and and I'll say that too. Um, regardless of what you think, right? There's always in the back of your mind, you're like, I wonder who's where. I wonder who we have where. I will, I will make a guarantee <laughs> at the forefront of everything that's going on right now. There is, there are air force special warfare airmen. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee it no matter where it is. And I'm not trying to hide the ball. I'm not, you know, being sneaky. I'm not saying I have information that, you know, I don't, I'm not putting secret stuff out there. We have been in every major conflict and every major event since our inception, everybody across the board, there is a TACP airman an SR airman, a PJ, a combat controller, stows crows there are people at the bleeding edge of every single conflict that are out there when by the time it hits the news our guys have already been on the ground and i will i will tell you that that is a thing and and you don't have that opportunity anywhere else there might not be seals there there might not be an army team there there might not be a marine special operations team there but because we are a high demand low density asset i will guarantee you there is an air force airman bringing air force capabilities to the fight in one way or another everywhere that you're seeing in the news 100 percent. there's nothing more fun when the, the sister services show up on like a continent or something and they're like what are you guys doing here we're like dude we've been here for a, a long oh, time in here <laughs> we've been we've been looking into the future and we're like we need to start like doing stuff here like so welcome to the party but we've been <laughs> here for a long party, time pal yeah <laughs> which is tough considering how low density we are since there aren't many of us so you'll you'll always you'll always be involved in something just because there are we don't have the first group, fifth group, seventh group that are regionally aligned and stuff like that. It it is we are where do we need to go? Just because there are not very many of us. Guns for hire, baby. That's right. Well, look, that's um, another interesting thing is is people are always like, Hey, what am I gonna do on my deployment? People are asking us for specifics. And Aaron was alluding to this a little bit earlier. And it's like, I don't know how many times that I've been sent out or my, my teammates have been sent out to a, a location with like, basically like go solve problems. Like that is the, the, the mission that they're given, like in, in, a, in a pretty general sense. And I, I just don't think that happens with the, the other teams, you know, the way it happens with us, you know, especially like as an individual, like people are going to like the middle of a, a, a continent where we don't, they have no support. They don't know what's going on. Like, Hey, we can get you to this location. We're going to get you through this embassy. You go to this location and like solve this problem, like make things better. You know, these guys are like E5s, E6s, and it's just like, go, go make it, go make it work so that we can, we can do stuff here in the future. And that, that's, I don't want to say normal, but it happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is sometimes terrifying, right? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're like, you're like the E5 or the, the junior E6 in charge of that team. And you're like, uh, okay, here we go. So on the, on the flip side of that one, one dude, um, Barry Crawford, 
uh, he was a captain. He was at the a time, yeah. captain yeah. or major at the time. Whenever you know, and um, it, everybody thought because you know all the ODAs and SEALs and stuff like that are so used to it all being enlisted and being lower ranking. Come to find out, he was actually the senior person on the ground. Um, <laughs> he even he outranked the the. The, the assault force, force commander and yeah. GFC. So, <laughs> yep. I, I mean, I guess by that regard, he may have been the GFC anyway. But yeah, it was it was pretty funny because they they realized kind of on the spot that he was the ranking dude. So kind of funny. Um, I don't know. You guys got anything before you close? The last thing I wanted to do uh, was just give a shout out to all the the parents. And, well, one graduating STTS class eighty nine. Team 89. So thanks for having me out there. And then also all the parents that I met. Uh, it was awesome to, to meet everybody. And really, I mean, I, I'm sorry you guys missed it, but it was really kind words that they passed. So it was just kind of cool to be on that end of it and not uh, bloviating to YouTube versus I got to got to talk to, to other folks and, and see the the pride and everything that they had in in their son and daughter graduating so that was pretty cool shout out to them well dude recruiting starts at home i know that we have you know we get messages you know more and more recently about parents that listen to the podcast take all these lessons uh as you're talking you know to your son to your daughter to whoever wants to come in to aspect war there are great things. Um, and, and one of those is the community aspect of it. And the fact that you have us and that we're willing to engage and help you get that information. And, you know, we, we appreciate all the parents that send us messages and that send, you know, I'm in constant contact. There's a, a young man at SWIC right now going through TACP and <laughs> just through the internet, uh, you know, constant contact and figuring out how, how his son is doing. And he has questions and I'm happy to say, you know, give clarification or he'll be like, Hey, you know, my son said this, is this normal? I'm like, yeah, it's, it sounds weird. Totally normal. Don't worry about it. Um, Something man, about marking his gear for, yeah. correctly. I don't, man, yeah. these guys get really angry about the tape being wrong he had on their to do water bottles. a whole bottles. bunch of push-ups because he used yeah. a red marker. I don't know. Is that normal? I'm like, oh, yeah, no, he, he probably oh, he should met, die he for He messed that. up bad. Oh, he messed up <laughs> real bad, yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, shout out to the parents. You know, we appreciate you. And if there's something that we can do, if we want to, you know, we'll do as many parent episodes or we'll, we'll talk. If you just want us to explain what stuff means, like we're here for it. That's why we're here. So appreciate you. Shout out. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's like, it's, I, I have a hard time answering like some of those parent ones where they're like, thank you so much. It's like, dude, we're just, we're a tiny part of, of this person's journey. Like y'all did all the hard work. So thank yeah. you for being the parents that you are. Uh, we're just here to like give you that little bump over the over the edge into the, the information that you needed, and you you already did all the hard stuff. So appreciate it out there, like great Americans and all that other stuff. So I'm gonna start crying if I keep talking. So I'm gonna stop. Do it, baby. You bet you well, will. All right. Well, that's a good place to stop. So uh, don't forget to check us out on onesready.com. We've got merch there. We've got Attackalate stuff. We've got Mission Mercantile. And then if you're happen to be watching on or yeah, watching on YouTube, hit the like, subscribe, notification. And then if you're listening to us on Spotify, just hit the five star or hit whatever star you think is appropriate. And then Apple Podcast uh, also rate and leave us a review, especially funny. Um, lots yeah. of lots of hate. Lots of hate. We'll take lots it. Lots of hate. Yeah. Listen, hate. the algorithm likes it, whether it's nice or whether it's not. So just go ahead and <laughs> just, just leave it out there. Really, yeah. really tell Aaron how you feel. Like really just People lay it all out there. They yeah, really I don't, don't think we need to encourage them. I think they're they're already there. <laughs> they're already there. When, yeah. yeah. When you when you have your own fan fan page, 
it's the hate club the aaron love hate the club. hate club yeah i the but the best thing about it shout out to the aaron love hate club I, I, it is fantastic i laugh every every single time they even put the avatar as the black rock avatar which i <laughs> thought was magnifique just high level absolutely high level trolling like that's that's what i'm here for so oh, listen man, i deserve I every it. piece of it uh, nobody hates me more than me. I would be the president of the Aaron Love Hate Club, but I'm not allowed in. You're not so, allowed in. I'm not go. only a member, or I'm not only the president. I'm also a I'm member. I'm also a client. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. You guys have a good one. Later. Later. Later.